Alright folks, welcome back to the Made to Pray podcast. You are joining us on the very first bonus episode of this third season. And this particular bonus episode is one that I've been wanting to do for quite some time. You may or may not be aware that I'm involved with uh, the Light of Food Group, which aims to promote positive mental health within the bond scene and provide a service um, to the bond scene in regards to helping them look after their mental health and give them avenues to seek support if they if they need it. And uh, I've been involved with them since pretty much since the, the group started. And I thought it'd be really important for us to focus in on an episode that would just look at mental health. And to do that, I am going to have a conversation with Samantha Evans, who is the CEO of Emerge Counseling Services here based in Lisburn. And Samantha actually did some training with the Light of Food Group and uh, is an absolutely fantastic person and counsellor and uh, seemed like a very fitting person to have on talking about the, you know, the need for us to look after our mental health. So I'm not going to talk for too much longer. I'm going to just let Samantha's uh, chat do the talking for us. I'll be back a wee bit later on just to give you an update on the next episode of the Made to Pray podcast. So until then, just sit back and relax and enjoy the conversation with Samantha. So welcome along, folks, to another episode of Made to Parade. I am joined today by Samantha Evans, who is the CEO of Emerge Counseling. Samantha, you're very welcome with us on the episode today. Thank you very much, Glenn, and thank you for inviting me along. Um, gives me a chance to tell kind of what we get up to here, so it's great. Brilliant. No, good stuff. And uh, I know after, after having connected with you previously, you know, with Light of Food and stuff, I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to really highlight the work that you do and, you know, and use some of the, the wisdom that you have and uh, and share that with uh, the listeners as well. So, you know, great. So maybe a good place for us to start would be, Samantha, just introduce yourself and give people maybe a wee bit of a background to emerge. Okay, okay. So, yeah, my name is Samantha Evans. I am the CEO of Emerge Counselling Services. So, Emerge Counselling Services is a suicide and self-harm prevention centre, and we are based in Lisbon in Northern Ireland. Um, our aim is very much suicide and self-harm prevention, but we do offer our services for all mental health um, issues. So, um, we have clients that come in for low mood, anxiety, eating disorders, OCD, relationship issues, uh, grief, bereavement. I mean, the list the list is endless. So I think it's important to say that we do, we, we our aim is suicide prevention, um, but we do offer our services for all mental health issues. Um, so Emerge opened um, almost two years ago, actually. Emerge opened the 25th of March, um, 2019. And it started um, with myself and three other qualified counsellors. And now we have a team of 43. Um, so yeah, so we have, um, we have 14 qualified counsellors. We have 13 student counsellors and two art therapists. And I'm in the process of recruiting a further three more student counsellors one more qualified counsellor and another art therapist. So wow. I think the, the growth that Emerge has had over the last two months or two years, sorry, really shows how much the services were needed, mainly in our area. But obviously we don't I'll I'll explain that in a wee second, but we don't just focus on the Lisburn area. You know, 
we've, we say our aim is Lisburn and Cassaway, so that's anywhere between Ballybean and Dromore. However, we have clients that come from all different areas, and we have clients that come from Belfast. We have we've had clients from Dungannon, Oma, and now we have um, added a new service due to COVID, which is the online or telephone counselling. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. that by kind of chatting to you because I know that your group would be quite well spread so I'm hoping um, that we can expand our services even to different um, countries within the UK would be great. Brilliant. So maybe it'd be good for us to talk to us a wee bit about where the need for Emerge came from because obviously you set up specifically to operate in, in Lisburn. Maybe give us a wee bit of context in regards to how that actually came about. You know What was happening in Lisburn two years back, whatever, they'd said, listen, we need to set something up. Yeah, so Glenn, I suppose my story starts um, a bit further back than that. Um, whenever um, I was 21-ish, um, my cousin, um, she took her own life and she was 15 years old. Um, so at that time, you know, our family were completely devastated. We, I have quite a big family, you know, I've 30 mm. odd cousins and right. 20, 20 auntie and uncles and, you know, and we would be quite a close family. Um, so at the time um, that, that my cousin Georgina um, had took her own life, it completely devastated our family. So, and on, on a different note, on a different kind of side to that, then I was going through um, domestic violence um, as well and I was ended up being a single parent so um I kind of had a, a lot going on mm -hmm. at the one at a one crucial time in my life so I suppose it was back then I started to kind of look around me to see what resources were in my area and what what could help me um I went to the GP I can remember um my daughter was very small she was only about six months old I went to the GP and um, it was depression tablets that was given to me. So as a single as a single parent, um, I had taken maybe two or three antidepressants and they just didn't sit well with me. I I, I just I didn't like them. Um, they made me feel really zoned out as if I wasn't mm -hmm. fully present, you know, yeah. for my daughter, um, who who was very young at the time and and needed my full attention. So. I kind of started just doing a wee bit of research and then you know that this was um gosh this was 13 14 years ago now so mm -hmm. counseling was i had never heard of counseling before anyway um so whenever i was doing a wee bit of research i i came across counseling and i was like gosh what what is this why why did the gp not offer me this instead mm -hmm. of straight to antidepressants and um, so I didn't stay on the antidepressants anyway I started going down the route of counselling to see what it was all about and I had absolutely no idea you know if any Joe blogs in the in in the community wants to go to counselling it is an absolute minefield there's so many different options different avenues and some can seem quite closed off if you don't know what you're looking for so mm -hmm. 
Um, I started um, my level two um, in counselling in Lisbon uh, Circ here, which is one of uh, further education centre. Um, and then I just continued my levels up to my degree. And it was during my degree, um, I volunteered in um, a suicide prevention centre in North Belfast, which I'm sure, right. as you know, Glenn, is rife um, mm -hmm. for suicide prevention. So I was there for five years um, and really had my eyes open to what was going on in North Belfast, you know, in, in their community mm -hmm. um, and, and around the world. Um, so, I mean, that how long ago was that? That was, well, eight, eight years ago I started right, okay. there. So over the five years, whenever I was there, there were, started becoming more prevalent within my area, my community, of suicides and um, you know young people older people taking their own lives in mm -hmm. my area because so I started to think well why is nobody doing anything about this yeah. uh -huh. you know and and as much as I love North Belfast you know I am originally from the Lisburn area so mm -hmm. I, I have lots of friends family that um you know were, were being bereaved by suicide and I just felt like well if nobody's gonna do it I'll do it <laughs> Okay, right. So that's um that's why I opened Emerge then. Um whenever I first started um in North Belfast, you know, suicides were very much in Belfast itself. Mm -hmm. But towards the end of my kind of journey within that organization, there was much more scattered kind of suicides around the outskirts of Belfast mm. and in more rural areas as well. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of where where Emerge kind of started from and um, where, where we've got to today. So from a very sort of tragic personal circumstance, you know, led you on a, a journey of development that maybe you didn't see coming? Was it a complete switch in regards to what you thought you might have been doing with your life? Absolutely. Whenever I left school, I left school with um, three C's, five D's and one E, but any past employer, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I left school with, with very little. So I started working um, in an office whenever I was 17. I worked um, as a receptionist data entry clerk, tele-sales. I kind of worked my way up um, and the director, for whatever reason, um, she absolutely loved me um, and she taught me pretty much every kind of department um, within mm -hmm. an office. And so much so that I ended up being her PA um, right. before I left there. So I had lots of experience in an office. Um, yeah. I, then, I then went on and worked for um, one director um, in the fitness industry um, mm -hmm. and I worked with him for a decade so this was all while I was you know doing the training for counselling sure. um, and uh, we had huge success with his business so he really taught me you know all the ins and outs of owning your own business and as much as uh -huh. Emerge is a, is a charitable organisation it's a not-for-profit organisation some you know, it still has to be run like sure. a business because our accounts have to be in on time, you know, our overheads need paid, um, all the usual kind of stuff. So I kind of was 50-50 um, with both over mm -hmm. the last over the last kind of 10 to 10 to 14 years, just kind of building as much knowledge in both areas as what I possibly could. 
Was there an epiphany moment during your studies that you kind of went, this is definitely for me, but there's something that kind of solidified this as a path choice for you? I remember one of my um, very first clients that I had um, was, was a young girl, um, fem female 19, um, and she had her, we, we talk about the presenting issues, so she had came with anxiety and depression. And on the on the sixth session, she had disclosed to me that she was sexually abused as a child. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the first eye opener that I had where counselling. It's really hard to explain counselling. I think you've either got it or you don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think you've either, you know, counselling to me isn't a job or a career. It's my calling. Um, so for that young girl to have that trust in me and to feel safe enough that she could open up and share with me what she had never shared to anybody before, that's kind of when I I knew, yeah, I'm, I'm in the right place. Okay, so there was a, a definite relationship that gave you a green light and went, yes, let's go forward. I'm doing something right, yeah. Yeah, got it. <laughs> And what, what were your, Amanda, how did you process that in regards to, you know, moving, moving forward and things, you know, I mean, how did that go down with the, like the rest of your family and stuff, you know, obviously, you know, there's a, a massive personal connection to all this type of thing, but how, how were they feeling about your, your choice and so on, what was going on there? Well, um, my family, I suppose, they, they were always very supportive, but they didn't really have much input whenever I was kind of going up through my my, my training. Um, the, the kind of main inputs have been whenever I did get my degree, um, mum and dad and husband and kids, you know, were standing very proud of me and that I too was very proud of myself. So that was, that was you know, that was lovely to be able to do that. Um, and then on the the other side of it was whenever I chose then to open a merge, my dad's first response was, what the flip are you doing that for? <laughs> because I don't get paid, you know, it's it's um, um, it's a it's a voluntary role. We we're all volunteers within a merge. Um, so my dad's response was quite critical. Um, my husband on the other side, he was very supportive. So my husband, I'm, I'm lucky he's employed and self-employed. So although the financial stuff does fall on him quite a lot. Mm. Um, I'm hoping someday, you know, once Emerge is more established that we will be able to secure some funding for some salaries um, mm -hmm. within the organization. But yeah, the, the, the two kind of main things was whenever I got my degree, how proud we all were. Um, and then whenever um, Emerge opened, um, the, the negative response from my father and uh, the positive response from my husband. So if it wasn't for him, you know, I wouldn't be able to to be doing this because I would have to go out and earn earn a salary. So talk me through those early days and obviously setting the, the organization up. Obviously, you already mentioned as well that some of your previous life experiences kind of come into play here as well. The office work and, you know, the business side of things as well. But what was, what was setting Emerge up actually like for you? Um, hard work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, there's, there are no words, Glenn. Um, 
there are no words to kind of explain how difficult it was. It's diff it, it's difficult enough setting up a business so that mm -hmm. you know you provide a service or a or, or a piece of equipment and they and the consumer pays you for it. You know, mm -hmm. you have so many more obstacles when you're trying to open um a charity. So um we had to register for the charity commissioner um of Northern Ireland um we had to organize you know i've opened businesses before for directors and stuff so i know how to do that but it's different when it's a non-profit organization um and my solicitors i have to say they were fantastic they they helped me and they done it for free because they believed mm -hmm. in um kind of what my vision was for emerge um there were so many people that helped me at the start um all out of goodwill and and faith um, that what well, they seen what what I believed in and seen my passion for it, and um, but it was excruciatingly hard work. And um, the first the first year, I was working seventy hours a week. Whoa! Okay. Um, just so so so, so it's, it was just nonstop. Um, but now that we have recruited a lot more um people into emerge, you know. I don't have to work 70 hours a week, which is great. I work about 60. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's good to see you putting a self-care plan in there, you know. So uh, Well, we do. We have to have self-care, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's it. Let's cut down by 10 hours. That's good. You know. <laughs> um, was there ever, ever any point during the time that you were set up that your thoughts aligned with your dad's initial reaction? Like, what the heck am I doing here? No, you were right in all the way. No, even even now, Glenn, you know, two years down the line after over 600 clients coming through our doors, we, we operate a crisis walk-in service as well. You know, after seeing the benefit that Emerge has done to the community, for the community and for the individuals, you know, no, I just... Um, I am where I'm meant to be. I really believe that. And I've I've never I think if you if you have any kind of way niggly doubt, that's kind of gonna eat away at you. And plus mine and my dad's relationship, you know, it's 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 uh it's a complex one. <laughs> it's not he's I hope he doesn't watch this because he'd be raging. <laughs> uh, don't be worried. This is gonna go out on audio anyway, so <laughs> that's all right. No no um growing up um i probably would have bit back quite a lot at my dad so he would he would attack me and then i would attack him um all all healthy family you know dynamics um uh -huh. so yeah um i never i would never allow that kind of negative negative voice in my head to stay you know i immediately shut him down um and said and now you know two years down the line he's probably one of the most proudest people of of wow. me um he's constantly asking me you know what politicians did you see today and uh -huh. who have you been talking to have you got your funding yet you know and he, he likes and shares all um our social media stuff so i know he, i know he's very proud now <laughs> that's good but there must be some real sense of just I mean, I, I'm going to use the word peace, but I think for me, there, it's maybe deeper than that in regards to knowing that you're waking up every day doing something that you know that you're called to do. Yeah, it's it, it's lovely. You know, I've worked I've worked in 
loads of different jobs before um I've done things that I, I didn't really want to you know I worked in the corporate world for for a wee while as well which taught me stuff and it just it's not for me I, I I'm not a corporate person and that's fine for anybody listening that is corporate person that's absolutely fine and um, it just wasn't for me um so yet getting up waking up in the morning knowing that emerge is kind of not mine but I opened emerge it's all my policies and procedures it's what I believe to, mm-hmm. to be able to help genuinely help people um it's it's lovely and you know emerge has such a great feel to it um all the volunteers are simply amazing they're all local people either qualified or in training um and they all just come in with so much energy um and positivity it's it's fantastic it's they are genuinely the most amazing group of people i've ever had surround i've ever been surrounded by no, it sounds like you know that you've had this not just a real alignment with your own kind of uh dreams and ambitions and stuff but you've been able to draw people in around you who who feel the same and that's that's really important you know and the fact that you've grown so much in such a short period of time and have been able to find people to get on board with uh that you know endeavor is is, is amazing i have to say i'm sure you're, you're you have to pinch yourself sometimes my counsellors don't want to leave. I mean, they only they only volunteer one shift a week, and at five o'clock when the shift is is rotating, that we do one to five and five to nine, or or nine to one as well. But when that shift is rotating, um, nobody wants to leave, and I have to literally kick them out the door and say, right, come on, the other guys need to come in. <laughs> okay, so no, it's it sounds like you've fostered a really good atmosphere in the place, and you know, and uh, people are really connecting with what. You believe is the way the way they operate and stuff so that's that's great to hear it's always good to know that it's rooted in relationships and uh you know because it's such a key part of what you do anyway you know and it's it would it would be strange if it wasn't part of your your day-to-day operation well and, yeah i i have worked in those organizations where you know you have all those kind of different hierarchies that's not something that i believe in you know for for me my, for myself and our my other counsellors, we're integratively trained. So it's all, it, it's about like the person-centred approach. So it is about warmth, understanding, respect, unconditional positive regard, non-judgmental, you know, and that's what, that's how we, how we live our, our lives. So sure. it's, it, it uh, you can feel it in the counselling room and outside of the counselling room. No, I was having a flashback to university myself there. You're starting to quote Rogers at me, and I'm like, going, what? I <laughs> love Rogers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, I, I obviously came across a lot of that type of stuff whenever I was doing my youth work degree, you know. So, of in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, uh, the Egan's and the, the Rogers of this world, you know, in terms oh. of uh, I, you know, that yeah. Egan model was, oh, that was brutal. It's, the skilled helper, yeah. Um, that uh, the Egan book never left my side for three years of my degree. Yeah, no, I I, I still have mine. I use it for it's it basically as it's a it's a coaster and I like you know what I mean. So <laughs> I love Freud though. I like I, we I love all the psychodynamic, all the childhood stuff. Um, okay. he, he would be my favorite. All right. Well, we'll we'll maybe get into another episode on that. I know. <laughs> Um, so, 
you've obviously had, you know, you've obviously had some highs and lows in regards to the, the first couple of years that you've been, you've been in operation. But are there anything or any moments that stand out as being key for you and the organization's history so far? Uh, yeah, well, to start off with, that was our opening day. So we had an opening day on the 24th, which was the Sunday just before we opened on the Monday. And um, that was absolutely crazy. Yeah. So we, I had kind of been building, building the momentum up, you know, on social media and stuff. And I had, I had went round like the local, um, the local councillors in the area to let them know what was what was going on. I had went to, um, the the PSNI. I had a meeting with the PSNI. I had a meeting with the head of the GP Federation for Lisburn. Um, I had all these different meetings like before, mm-hmm. um. And then obviously the, the build up on social media to the opening day. So I remember get, waking up on the Sunday for the opening day and just sitting at the edge of my bed going, I don't know if anybody's going to show up. What if nobody shows up? And I just, I, I started to freak out. <laughs> Is this going to kind of fall flat on its face even before it opens? Mm-hmm. Um, but the opening day, oh my goodness, like, where we are is really quite a large space mm-hmm. you could not move now obviously this was pre COVID. this was before covid so that that was good and um, the, the building was absolutely packed with so many well wishers so many people interested in what it was we were doing and how we were going to do it and mm-hmm. could, could they help could they benefit from it it was absolutely huge um that night i had to go home and lie down in, in a dark room because it was it was absolutely mad- madness, but it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think people really got, the whole community really got behind it and still continues to do so because mm-hmm. it's one it's one of a kind, you know, it's it's the first walk-in crisis centre Lisbon and Castlereagh have had. Right. So I think that's the reason why we had such a huge response. And obviously, you know, unfortunately we do have, bereaved families by suicide within mm-hmm. the area um, and you know they reached out to me straight away um, one was they wished we had have been open earlier mm-hmm. but the other side of the coin was that they were grateful and thankful that one their families had somewhere to go and two so that other families wouldn't um, have to go through what they're going through. Yeah, so I think even more confirmation that you were doing the right thing from two very different kind of sources. I suppose a really successful opening event, which kind of went, yes, this is really, you know, positive and there's a lot of people involved with this. And then I suppose the reason for the real reason for your existence also being confirmed yet again by people saying, you know, thank God you're here now. Yeah. And then the other one that we had, um, we ha- after the first lockdown, um, we invited our first minister, Arlene Foster, to come, and that was um, a great experience. I think, you know, for the first minister to come to, um, you know, a completely voluntary organisation, mm-hmm. um, to show kind of her appreciation and respect for what we do, that was huge, um, and it was lovely to, to meet to meet with her and uh, to have a good chat with her and. Um, you know, she had loads of questions for me and I had loads of questions for her. <laughs> right. Brilliant. 
No, and, and again, just, I, I, that, that's got to be uh, amazing to think, you know, that someone who's leading the, the government of our wee province um, coming out to check out um, your counselling agency, you know, and, uh, you know, major, major pat in the back, I suppose. Definitely, yeah, it was great. Um, we, d- we did invite the, our, our current health minister, but uh, he, he's yet to arrive. <laughs> Okay, no shame in here, huh? No shame in. <laughs> <laughs> Behave yourself, Samantha. That's <laughs> all good. Get it in there. Um, uh, so one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about, Samantha, was obviously around the whole area of mental health. Um, it's obviously become a very prominent concern over the last sort of number of years and things. We're hearing more and more about it. Why do you think that is? Why, why is this coming to the fore now? I think, you know, mental health, um, suicide has has always been there. I think the main reason why it's so much in our focus now is because of social media. Um, it's because of the media itself in in, in the awareness that they create. Um, and people are, people are now possibly having that voice we're constantly breaking the stigma down but the people are having their voice and saying yeah i suffer from mental health issues and that's okay you know mm-hmm. but to me um social media is a huge platform if we have anybody bereaved um by suicide you know if we have somebody in the community that takes their own life you know before social media you may have heard about it. Mm-hmm. You may more than likely would not have heard about it, but because of social media, you know, you have that outpour, you have that that cry of saying, "Where is the help for these people?" Um, so I think that is probably the biggest um uh, part to play. Um, the other thing um would be the the troubles. Then you know what our our wee country has been through for so many years. And the, the transgenerational kind of trauma that we're seeing at the minute. Um, so yeah, um, and then I did I did mention the media, and I'm just going to say the media now again. Um, the media do report on suicides, um, more so young people um, than mm-hmm. older people. But I can assure you, older people take their own lives just as much as young people. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the media only portray one side of it. There there is more to it than that. Yeah, it's it's one of these things that's not limited by age at all. You know, it's it can hit any of us at any at any stage and stuff. You know, and I think we're we need to be aware of that as a whole because, as you say, if the the main narrative coming from the media is that it's young people, you know, that it can be easy just to forget that there's a lot more people out there who are are, are suffering in this uh, in this way. You know, absolutely. The youngest person that I've counselled. Um, with suicidal ideation was age eight and the oldest person that I have counseled was age 87. Wow okay so the full the full spectrum yeah right so in your understanding what exactly is mental health and why is it important that we look after it? Glenn, this is the hardest question that you had listed <laughs> there's I don't think there's one kind of like specific answer for this mental Mm. health is it is you it is your brain it is your thoughts your feelings mental health is just as important if not more important than your physical health 
You know, we, we all know of this metaphor that if you break your leg, you go to the hospital. But what do you do if you have a psychosis episode or, or if you have negative thoughts or, or if you have attachment issues or, you know, all these things? Um, mm -hmm. To me, you, mental health comes first. Right. Okay. I don't know how else to expand. It is a very difficult question to answer. No, I, I, and I, I get that. And it, it's... But in terms of it is so important that we we know where we stand with that. So if we were doing almost like a, a mental health check, what kind of things would we need to be aware of or what might be some signs that we need to do something about things that we're, we're protesting? Yeah, so, I mean, one one kind of, one thing that you could do is observe yourself for a day so perhaps right. take track of kind of how you're actually functioning on a day-to-day -day basis so you know if you are staying in bed to one two o'clock because you you can't be bothered getting out of bed or you don't feel like you have the energy to get out of bed or you feel like that anxiety kind of shakiness you know inside those are those are enough, you know, to be concerned and enough to kind of think, right, perhaps I do need a wee check-in with a, a counsellor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever. Um, mental health, we, we, we use the term mental health all the time, but mental health is, you know, when you can't get out of bed, when you dislike your, yourself so much that you don't want to get washed. Mm -hmm. or you don't have the energy to get washed or you're invited out with your friends and you're worried or stressed or anxious that it stops you from going out with your friends when you are sitting in tesco car park and you cannot bring yourself to go in and do the weekly shop that you need to do mm -hmm. because you're too anxious you're too worried you're too stressed you know, that is mental health. If you have an argument with the missus, for example, and you go out on a bender for three days, technically that's mental health too, <laughs> okay. yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, the mental health, I think we, we, we say mental health all the time, but if you have an experience that you maybe don't fully understand what it is, mm -hmm. I'm a coming across at all. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I think for me, what I'm, I'm hearing is that it's so, in terms, it's so widely spread in regards to the effects that it has, and I suppose those effects, to some degree, are individualistic as well, aren't they? They're, they, they can be very dependent on a person's personal situation in terms of why there may be some similarities between what they they may be experiencing and other people are experiencing there's something that's very unique to the person that's going through it yeah like don't get me wrong if you wake up on a, on a sunday morning and it's raining outside and you sit all day for netflix and chill that doesn't mean that you're depressed mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it is very much on an individual basis um, but to, you asked earlier on, like what what things you know could you kind of do to 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 kind of help yourself? Communication. Mm -hmm. If you if you find yourself if you find yourself 
shutting yourself off from the world, you know, not answering text messages or phone calls from friends because you can't be bothered or you don't want to talk to them. That's a big, that's a big warning sign that, you know, okay. you may need to reach out for help. Um, what else? Exercise. So some positive steps that you could take for mental health would be communication. It's contact with loved ones. You know, they mm -hmm. them to, them to me personally are are my biggest um self care kind of regimes, um communication and contact with loved ones. You have exercise, your sleep is so important. You know, if you're only going to, if you're only getting three or four hours, of sleep a night, mm -hmm. you know that's going to have a detrimental effect on on you. Um, journaling, we always if if you have, we have loads of clients that would come in and say I can't get to sleep. Have you tried journaling? You know, it doesn't have to be a fancy book. Any pieces of paper, pages, and just write whatever is going through your mind. At nighttime, loads of our clients experience like racing thoughts, mm. and that's what mm -hmm. prevents them from sleeping. So we do find that when clients journal, when they write down just whatever thoughts are in their head, whether it be from the day, from, from the day before or 10 years ago if something is you know constantly replaying over just write it down we do find that that helps sleep um so we talk about self-care quite a lot mm -hmm. um in in counseling um for me my self-care would be a bit of mindfulness meditation mm -hmm. um yoga um walking um reading exercise well, I don't no, I don't. I don't really do exercise. I'm telling lies. Yoga would be my my main exercise. <laughs> I do walking, but I'm not. I'm not one of these. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of um like Joe going Wicks. for runs. <laughs> oh no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> but all those things are really good examples of how you can improve your mental health. But if you've tried those things and they're not working for you, well, then that is the point when you need to reach out to somebody and okay. say, right, I'm not too sure what's going on, but try these things and either I can't do them, my mind won't let me focus on doing them or my body won't function to do it. Then that's the point when possibly reaching out to um, a professional would be a good idea. Sure. And one of the other things that I was going to maybe ask and see what your, your thoughts are is obviously with the, the podcast having a, a bit of a, a focus on, you know, the March and Bond scene and stuff like that there. It's uh, for me, one of the things that really kind of helps me out is is playing my instrument. You know, the whole way of music and connecting with something that I one that I feel that I'm good at or I feel like, you know, that, I, you know, I, I feel good doing it, you know, and that's, you know, for me doing something like that, connecting with that really really helps me out if i had a, a period where like one god i don't want to be around people at all and i'll just go and do that and for whatever reason it seems to do the trick you know obviously there's a connection between music and mental health as well and even just the whole idea of playing music or playing an instrument also has an impact on how the brain's operating and so on as well so just to get your thoughts on that as well well yeah glenn we'll, we'll use We'll use you as an example. So, okay. from what I, from what I believe, you kind of grew up in the band scene, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, music to you would be your self care. You know, if you think mm -hmm. back to when you started, um, learning how to play, 
the instruments and um, the unity that you would have had the family kind of feel that you would have had had in your band kind of environment that brings your mind back to happy times mm -hmm. so I, I suppose yes you are getting the physical um well-being of the instrument you know you're happy playing whatever it is that you're playing but your mind is actually um reliving happy times rather than okay. focusing on perhaps an issue or or a struggle that you that you have there and then okay and that brings you back to some of those things that you were saying there in regards to communication and not isolating you know so in some sense the act brings you back to a place where you have been communicating with people and a time when you are connecting with people as well. Absolutely. You know, I would call that self-soothing. If mm -hmm. your go-to, if you're stressed, worried or concerned about something is to go and play your your pieces of equipment then um, or instruments, sorry, then that is you self-soothing. So that's all good. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's good no that's good and i think it's important i think even just to, to share that out there is that you know that some people might think oh oh really but i, I think you know it's something as simple as that could have a massive impact because as we say you were talking a bit about there about how if you like if you break your leg you don't you have to go to a specific place and what if there's something going on with you with the mind or whatever else what do you do and it's important to know that there are things that they connect with other other things in our life and it happens up here in the mind rather and while it may while it may be a physical act that you do as in playing a flute or a drum or something like that there but it's triggering something in in the mind that, that's actually good for you yeah so that uh, um analogy there of breaking the leg imagine if you didn't break the leg but you sprained your leg mm -hmm. so in comparison to the brain if you had a huge trauma you would go to 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 a professional you know for 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 the mind but if you had maybe um a, a work-related kind of minor issue self-soothing with an instrument is, mm -hmm. is if, if that's your go-to then can you see the comparison i'm trying to make so yeah either you can sprain your leg or you can break your leg mm -hmm. or you can have um, a minor upset in life or a huge upset in life yeah no and, and, and i think it, it, you're you're highlighting some very important points is you know that there's there are things that we can do straight off and they're not you know beyond the realms of our own capabilities a lot of the stuff that may be able to help us are things that we already do or already interested in absolutely yeah you know we're always working with clients um and we the the counseling that we offer we we um, tailor our counselling to meet the client's needs. So we don't tell our clients what self-care they need to be doing. We ask them what they enjoy and, mm -hmm. and what maybe they used to enjoy or even as a child, what did they enjoy that w when they grow up through adulthood, they've stopped doing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, we, we individualise. Everybody's an individual and um, we all have our own we ways in which we like to relax or, or de-stress and mm -hmm. it's about trying to remember what those were when's the last time you rode a bike or mm -hmm. you know you you, you done a, a jump into a swimming pool <laughs> you know yeah. all those childhood things that we we kind of just stop doing once once we get to a certain age 
I know, and then obviously there's an impact on some of that stuff with the current situation in terms of, you know, where we've been for the last year or so, you know, and that's having, have you found that that's had a major impact on the work that you're doing? Yeah, I would, I would love to say no, we are just toddling along as, as we normally would. Um, the last year we have found a huge increase um, in people using our services. But over the last three months, we have had a 70% increase in children and young people looking at our services. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I know we're all, most of us are struggling. I think there's only a very small percentage of people who are thriving in COVID and whether that's because they're selling antibacterial hand cream <laughs> you know most of us are struggling with COVID um, we think of the adults um, they're quite lucky because they still get to go out to work most mm-hmm. hopefully some of them still do um, but we, we actually do forget about the children young people who have been mm-hmm. in their homes mainly from last March um, yeah. and I think that's what we're starting to see now is parents really really concerned about the mental health of their children young people yeah and i suppose the the other offset of that is that while they may be worried about the the mental health of the their their children as well there has to be some impact on the parent themselves you know in terms of the pressure that that's put on the household in regards to expectations and you know the homeschooling thing uh, and just that the kids being around the house a heck of a lot more and not being able to socialize as much and so on. It's just putting pressure on families in the whole, really, isn't it? Absolutely, Then I, I couldn't tell you the last time that I had the house to myself for an hour. <laughs> it doesn't happen. I have a teenager and a 10-year-old and a husband and two dogs. So it does not happen. Um, whereas before, you know, I wouldn't have worked on a Monday. So I would have had a Monday as my day to relax, chill out in the house while the kids were at school, mm-hmm. hubby was at work. And I would have, I don't know, went and had a bath, read a book, phoned my friends, maybe even went out for coffee with a friend. You know, those things I'm missing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, parents and the, the homeschooling will... will We'll be here all night, Glenn, all night. if we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it is tough. It is really tough for everyone. But, you know, not to be all doom, doom and gloom. There are the brighter nights coming in. Mm-hmm. From my experience over years of counselling, brighter nights mean happier people. Yeah, okay. Definitely. You know? well, no, you're good. That's all good. I think, you know, you're you're right there. Is that sometimes, you know, whenever there's the possibility of even just going out that being bright is just make that all the difference than going out whenever it's pitch black and stuff. You know what I mean? It does have, a, a, you know, an impact on our whole outlook on what we're actually going to do and, and the motivation behind doing something. And I think that links in with what you were saying. We, you know, about, uh, talking about previously, you know, that sometimes we don't have the motivation to do things and that there are external influences on that, not just what's going on in our head, but the atmosphere outside, the, the light outside, the weather outside, all those kind of things all, you know, pile up and kind of compound things for us and stuff. And I, and I think it's it's good that we're, we're highlighting this and saying, well, listen, you know what? Well, if it's raining outside, there are still other things that we could be doing. There's other things that you can do to look after yourself. Absolutely. Well. 
this is we're we're definitely on our way into spring now. So I'm hoping that it's not going to be raining too much longer. Um, for me, I'm really looking forward to getting into my garden. Um, I love sunflowers, so um, yeah. I plant like hundreds of sunflowers all around my garden and really enjoy watching them grow. And, grow. Okay. <laughs> and last yeah. year was the first year that I've ever been able to do it, so I'm really looking forward to this year. Um, and do you know what's lovely? If with the, the days that I finish work at between five and six, it's still light, so I'm I'm personally not going mm-hmm. home, you know, heavy with the rain and, and the dark nights, you know. I have an extra wee spring in my step because it's still light and I can go out with the kids, play football, do swing ball, whatever, whatever we're mm-hmm. gonna do. Um and it's really it's really nice. So yeah, I can say I can say us the dark times seem to be in the past now and I'm hoping they remain there. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's hope so. And hopefully we're we're on our way out of this as well, which would be which would be great um for everybody involved. And I think you know, while that's, you know, something to look forward to and to be hopeful for as well, I also think that, you know, that there, there is going to be a wee bit of an aftermath from this in regards to, you know, people having to come out of this lockdown mentality into what is supposedly normality. And I, I think some of us are going to struggle with that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um it's the after effects of COVID is going to be worse than what COVID actually was. Mm-hmm. I've no doubt about that. It'll be the mental health um, issues that we see coming through right from age five to 95, you know. Um, we have divorces sky high, domestic violence is sky high, um, children, young people, anxiety is sky high, especially the ones that we're preparing to do exams. Um, or P7s leaving to go into first mm-hmm. year, fifth years, not knowing what educational route they're going to take. Um, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to see a lot of difficulties coming through um, after COVID. Um, we're certainly not over the hurdle yet. Mm. Um, but I'm hoping that the isolation and the lockdown is nearing, nearing the end. Um, but yeah, there there will be. Um, I suppose it's. I don't. I don't really want to compare to the troubles, but the suicides after the troubles were mm. three times more than the deaths in the troubles. Sure. Um, so yeah, we we could see um quite high numbers. So all the more important for us to have sort of mechanisms that, that will help us cope with things, having you know, strategies to help us maybe deal with that as, as we do approach the, the whole idea of coming out of this thing in lockdown. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, obviously there's a reason why I'm obviously leading down that lane in regards to a question. And I suppose with, for me, the idea of coming out of lockdown also potentially means that there's the, the possibility of the, the bonds being able to create and stuff again. And I think, you know, obviously you're, you'll be aware of the work of a group called Light of Food, um, mm-hmm. who set themselves up to try and help um, members in the bond scene kind of have an outlet in regards to communicating um, and talking about the, the issues that, that, they're, that they're facing. You did some work with them um, as, as a group and stuff, so um, to try and help them, you know, provide a, a better service, I suppose. What kind of stuff did you do with them and, and how did it go? 
I did do some work with them, yes. Um, and that's how I met you, Glenn. Um, <laughs> I absolutely loved the Light of Food group. Um, they just came in. They they came into obviously you know you were here, Glenn, but you all you all came in to emerge. Um, and you were so inquisitive. You were so curious. You know, you were passionate about what you wanted to do. Um, and I had spoke to Ian McAllister. Mm -hmm. um, and he had kind of told me about the group and what you were looking to do. Well, what you were doing, but what you wanted training in. Um, so I had tailored um, some training then to meet the needs of the group. And I just want to say if any of the group will be listening, hello. Um, I remember you all, you were brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd, um, I created um, a training exercise a training event, sorry. I think it was three or four hours one evening, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. We're, yous were, all, yous we're all quite spread out. Um, you weren't from Lisbon area, so I really appreciated, you know, yous all coming and traveling um, into Lisbon because I think the, the night wasn't a great night weather-wise. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I think it was brutal, <laughs> if it I'm was. honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, we kind of talked about Emerge, uh, opened up a wee bit of introduction about Emerge, um, what it is we do and how we can help um, the, the Light of Folk group. Um, and then what I what I did for the first time in training, I know that Light of Food is very much social media based. Mm -hmm. um, so Ian had said perhaps some kind of um, examples of how to communicate, to like ask open questions and, and where to focus your questions on. So I had um, set up uh, the, the projector, which was actually just behind me, and um, I had given out scenarios um, of, you know, somebody presenting themselves to the group with whatever issues. So mm -hmm. say, for example, it was Ben. Ben was feeling down um, because he lost his job. So we had went through, right, what would you, how would you respond to this on, on mm -hmm. social media? And then I had came back with, well, actually, this is perhaps a better way to respond and it mm -hmm. was great because they were able to see you know by asking open questions you actually get a larger response back so mm -hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't end up as that kind of interrogating question um you know where did you work or mm -hmm. um how long have you been out of work well tell me what it's like you know not being in work at the minute you know the, mm -hmm. the and it, it was exactly you were completely on point you know you were trying to get the information so that you could help as much as yeah. you possibly could but it was really great that i had the opportunity just to show the group um how to just tweak those questions so that you got a better kind of response back so i loved the group and um, that was the first and um, that i had kind of tailored training specifically for social media and mm -hmm. um, so yeah i thought it went well i think it went well what did, yeah, what did yeah. you think glenn well, I, I thought it went well as well i'm on the, on the spot now haven't it no it was it was really good i really liked it i thought you know the the the, the way that you kind of help the group to try and process what they were doing to get underneath what's really happening here because what somebody might be saying and what's really going on can sometimes be two different things. And it's about what are the key things that you need to look out for to help you get to that. But it was also about, you know, listen, 
we can't just be bombarding people with questions and you know because that might put them off if they've taken the you know the whole the, they've taken a risk to, to kind of reach out to someone the last thing that they're going to want to feel like is being interrogated yeah yeah and then I, at the end i did get a chance to talk to you um about you know offloading so mm -hmm. I, i'm a qualified counselor so i have personal therapy and supervision that mm -hmm. i have to go to to remain in with my professional body and um, which is bacp um but with you guys you know you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart who do mm -hmm. you offload to but sure. for it to remain confidential so it was lovely that we were able to finish off um the the the, the training in that way where we were kind of reflecting back on maybe some conversations that you've had previously and how that yeah. sat with you mm -hmm. and had that brought any personal um you know situations up up for, for for you guys as well because you know you can you can have all the goodwill in the world but burnout is a real thing so i think i, I really enjoyed highlighting that to the group as well that you need to offload too but it has to mm -hmm. be in a confidential manner yeah no definitely and I, and I think it's it's interesting you know that there's something about the the, the lady food group that maybe mirrors something of your own experience of all and most of the group have all experienced some form of you know mental problem or you know an issue with their, their mental health and so on yeah. and you know and that's obviously the motivation behind you know wanting to be involved as well listen I've experienced something and I got help and it really did the job for me and I want to be able to to help other people, you know, and even if it's a case of listening to someone for five to ten minutes and saying, OK, well, here's here's where you might want to go for more professional help, you know, being able to signpost people to the appropriate, you know, place that may be able to get them to help. But the, the important thing is that someone has taken that first step to communicate and say, listen, this is how I'm feeling. And yeah. knowing that there's someone there, they actually listen to them and it isn't going to make a mockery of it because it's it's so it's one of the things, you know, even within the bond scene and stuff, you know, it's so easy at times to, you know, just to brush off people's issues, you know, and talking to people like, oh, your head's cut. You know, and we simple phrases like that where someone's taken the risk to say, this is how I feel. And I think that's become a more acceptable now. And I think you've, you've, you've hinted at that as well. You know, people are more um, open to saying, you know what, I'm not myself. I don't feel like me right now. And I need to talk to someone or I need to, to share something. And the, the the overwhelming response to that being that, yes, you know what, that's okay. And that, that knowing that there's somewhere that you can go is is a positive step forward. What about, In terms of um, maybe ending off with, if someone is concerned about a loved one or a friend's, you know, mental well-being, what kind of things should they be doing to help them? Um, what would I don't want to use the word advice, but what kind of methods can they use to try and be of some help to their friends or family? Yeah. Okay. So I probably should have said this at the start, <laughs> but emerge. Let me just explain emerges services and um, maybe to start off with. So Emerge, uh, we offer one-to-one -one counselling, and that's either face-to-face, -face, online, or over the telephone. Okay. We offer befriending, which again is online, over the phone, or or face-to-face. -face. And the befriending there, 
The befriending is for anybody who maybe doesn't need counselling but is lonely or isolated mm. um, or who is helping some a loved one with their mental health issues. Okay. And that's really important, you know, to say, you said earlier on about the other people in the family. Um, mm. It is, if, if you have a family member that does struggle with their mental health, that is going to be a strain on you. So our befriending service is there for you if that is the situation that you're in. And the befriending service is very similar to the counselling service um, where it's completely private and confidential, okay? Um, and then the other, we have a crisis walk-in service. So if anybody is feeling suicidal, um, maybe not from Scotland because that might be a bit of a journey, but anybody local, um, they are more than, more than welcome to come in and see one of our qualified counsellors. One um, service that might be of more benefit is our crisis telephone hotline. So if we have anybody in the country um, or in the UK that um, is worried about a loved one, they can phone and speak to one of our qualified counsellors and we'll be able to kind of ask you questions and give you our opinion on perhaps what would be best and um, the best approach for them. Um, and then we have the training, as, as we've highlighted with Light of Food, we offer training um, to local um, organisations or online now as well, as that's a new service for us. Um, so if you are worried um, about anybody, you know, have that chat with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have that conversation. You will never make anybody take their own life by asking them, are you suicidal? So we 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 have suicidal and then we have self-harm. That's our two kind of mm -hmm. main issues that we would work with. If you think somebody is experiencing suicidal thoughts, you ask them, are you having dark thoughts? Are you experiencing suicidal thoughts? Do you have a plan to take your own life? If the answer to all those three are yes, and if the plan is doable, is feasible, um, it's straight to A&E. Right. If the person says, no, I don't have a plan, but I am experiencing dark thoughts, don't overpromise them. Don't tell them that you will be there for them anytime. Because if that person phones you at three o'clock in the morning and you don't answer, that's a, that's a dangerous situation there for that person mm. because mm. that person's going to think that you've broke their trust, even though, you know, you had no intention of breaking their trust. You're in bed sleeping. <laughs> but that yeah. person in despair will think that you have let let him him or her down. Yeah. So ne never overpromise. Um, anybody that is actively suicidal, never leave them on their own. Okay? It only takes 15 seconds never leave them on their own if you have somebody who you are worried about who you've kind of noticed a bit of a change ask them what's going on yeah, yeah. and then self-harm self-harm is a wee bit different so self-harm is something um usually very private to the person so we would never as if somebody's suicidal we directly ask them are you suicidal if we think or believe that somebody is self-harming, we don't directly ask, are you self-harming? And we certainly don't tell them not to self-harm. Okay. We look at safe ways, um, safer ways, 
um, if they need to self-harm. So I'm sure you've heard of the elastic band. This I'm mm -hmm. showing you, this isn't an, an elastic band. This is my hairband. Um, but if people um, self-harm by cutting, um, you know, we have the elastic band where you put round your, round your wrist um, mm -hmm. and it's that kind of release that the people um, look for in self-harm. If you suspect somebody is self-harming a loved one, you know, what, what you could say is, I've noticed, um, you know, I've noticed a change or I've noticed that something's not quite right. Would you like to share with me? Would you like to tell me a wee bit about what's going on? Yeah. So it's important. Self-harm self is really private. And people also think that self-harmers are only teenagers. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we had a 66-year-old male in last week who was a severe self-harmer. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if, if, if you are privileged enough for that self-harmer to open up and share, we check that their wounds are... Um, looked after that you know we right. check that they're clean um, and they're bandaged up because sepsis is very real right. okay so there's some practical steps and stuff that they can people can take you know just simple things about maybe having the right question or the right approach to yeah. whatever it is that the, the person may be facing and that's not beyond the skill level of anybody i think we can all you know do something along those lines and even if we are afraid of the answer that we know that there's somewhere that we can get help outside. I think that that's also important to make sure if you're going to ask the question, then make sure that you you know where the next step is as well. Suppose I think that's, that's key. There's no point opening something up if you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever, you know, if you ask that question and, and they respond by saying, yes, I am going to take my own life, watch your reaction. You do not want mm -hmm. to go into panic and go, oh! <gasps> No, don't yeah. do that. You know, you want to stay calm, you want to stay leveled, and you want to just remain that listening ear for them um, yeah. and trying to think, right, how do I keep this person safe? Because that is the overall goal. We want to keep people safe. Brilliant. And so I think that's a, a really good place to, to kind of bring that idea close there. You know, that the idea yeah. behind reaching out to people is to keep them safe and uh you know, just to, we'll put some details in regards to Emerge and be able to, the services that you've mentioned, I'll put that in the, the, the program and episode notes as well. And, you know, if people do need to, to reach out uh, and talk to people or, or find that they need a service or something, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do that. And But just to say thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us, share something of your own story, share about Emerge, but also to provide us with some practical things that we can do to help the people that we love. Thank you for being involved. No problem, Glenn. Thank you very much for inviting me. No problem at all. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and I hope that you found it interesting and that some of the things that Samantha was talking about, I hope you'll find them useful. And it's just important to say that if you are feeling low or if you feel like you need to talk to someone, then please don't hesitate to do that. You know, there's plenty of options for you to reach out and have someone help you through anything that you're, you're facing, whether that be um, the team at Emerge or by using the latest food guys on Facebook. So please use all those opportunities um, to get some help and reach out and talk to someone because, you know, it's okay not to be okay and it's good to talk.
Make sure you join us for the next episode of the Made to Pray podcast, where we'll be featuring the Oma Protestant Boys. We will have Kenny and Amanda Porter on with us, and they'll also be joined by David Montgomery. And we had a great chat there uh, a couple of weeks ago, just talking about the band, and specifically focusing in on the band's trip to Savannah to take part in a St. Patrick's Day parade there. So make sure you check that out. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that through all the usual means. Go to madetoparade.com and you'll find details there on how you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Spotify, you name it. We're available on all of the platforms. If you want to get in touch and share your story and maybe be interested in taking part in Season 4 of the Made to Pray podcast, then please get in touch with us either via our Facebook page or you can email us via made the parade book at gmail.com so until the next episode look after yourselves and take it easy